Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode, episode number 62 of the Travel Royally Podcast. And today we're thrilled to have with us Stuart Lacombe. He's a general manager of Cabot Highlands, just outside of Inver Inverness, and he's been there for nearly 17 years. Cabot Highlands is the former Castle Stewart, and they're building a second 18-hole layout uh, nearby the current links. Prior to Cabot Highlands, Stewart was the course manager at Kings Barnes Golf Links just outside St. Andrews. Stewart, welcome to the Travel Royally Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, your kind invite. Well, we really are excited to have you. You've been um, employed by two of our favorite spots in Scotland. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about both of them is that even though they're relatively new, they feel like they've been there 100 years. You know, I like that. So anyway, let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? Are you from uh, the Inverness area? No, I uh, I grew up in uh, Edinburgh. Uh, my father worked for British Airways uh, in Edinburgh, and uh, I was there till I was uh, ten years old. Uh, but then I came up to Inverness uh, when I was ten. Uh, he got promotion with British Airways, and uh, we came up. And uh, that was in 1974. We arrived uh, over the Dromossy Bray and into uh, into Inverness, and uh, yeah, that was a, a culture shock. Uh, it was it was single lane the A9 at that point. So, you know, to have dual lane, not dual casualty, but just to have two lanes yeah. uh, is uh, is pretty neat, you know, these days, because it, it used to be a, a six-hour drive from Edinburgh, I think, in those days. Holy cow. <laughs> it's about three and a half now, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, uh, St. Andrews to, uh, St. Andrews to Inverness now, uh, two and three quarters. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you live in a beautiful part of the world, and there's a lot of uh, exciting golf, up there and you know when i think about that area i think about everyone thinks about castle stewart and doorknock but when you throw in brora golsby Tate, fort rose and rose markey nairn nairn dunbar murray um and um cool links which i haven't heard lately but i hope that goes through up by doorknock and then you've got a second course coming uh, there's going to be no reason to to leave the area there's more than enough golf for Two weeks of golf, you wouldn't have to play any course twice, right? Yeah, and, and, I, th and I think, uh, you know, on that point, uh, you know, what's also improved dramatically uh, is the, the air link services uh, into Inverness Airport. Um, you know, it, it's so much easier now to get through Amsterdam with, you know, your KLM Delta or British Airways and American, you know, through uh, through Heathrow. You know, you've got two certainly winter flights uh, daily, and uh, but summer flights, I think we're hoping to charge back up to, to three flights daily coming in from those two hubs. So, you know, you can get in and out of here a lot easier than you could before. And it uh, it's, you know, if, if people are serious about just doing the Highlands, then there's never been a better time. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. We in we live in Atlanta, and in the summer, uh, they're starting up direct flights from Atlanta to Edinburgh, which is just brilliant for the people that are traveling to this, from this part of the country. Yeah, brilliant. So let's go back uh, to the beginning. How did you come to golf? Living in uh, Edinburgh when you were a child, uh, there must have been a lot of opportunities there. Oh, there was huge opportunity, and I was just reminiscing there last uh, last week. Um, you know, at the ages of sort of five and six, I mean, I remember getting you know chaperoned by a nine year old getting on the, the, the public transport buses in Edinburgh, taking our clubs and going up to the Braid Hills uh, up in Morningside. And there's a lot of public courses around at that, at that time. And you know, I, I was thinking about it. You know, six and seven years old. You know, you're getting on buses and going playing golf and you just wouldn't do that these days, right, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, your parents just, it would have been just, well, it's just an alien concept. But that's where we were uh, back in those days, and it was it was fantastic. Um, we had pitching putts, you know, I remember just up the up the road. Um, and what started me really was my father, he was a professional golfer. Um, so he uh, he hailed from Cooper Golf Club in, uh, in, uh, in Fife. He was five boys champion, I think five five times in the fifties. Um, he then turned pro. He was runner up in the Scottish boys to George Will. Uh, he then went to pro and uh, went down to Dulwich and Sydenham. I think one of his early clients was Peter Oosterhuis. Wow. And uh, you know, so it was dad. Dad was dad was a big uh, a, a big golfer and uh, and 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 
pretty handy. I think when he turned pro, he was plus four out of Cooper on the side of a hill. So he was a pretty neat player. Um, and uh, but he gave that up. Uh, there was no in the fifties, late fifties. There was no there was no career in that really. Right. So he met my mum in London, and then they came north to Edinburgh. Started with British Airways and had a a long career with uh, British Airways. Um, you know, with them, which was which was great and uh, got us up to Inverness and he was a member at Raffle Park in uh, in Edinburgh and when I was playing all the municipals and then when we came to Inverness, he joined Nairn, I joined Nairn and um, yeah, the rest is history. Well, you had a, uh, a wonderful childhood, it sounds like. I had a similar, I remember going to uh, baseball games, professional baseball games at like 10 years old on a bus, you know, a 20 mile trip at night with a 14 year old friend. Yeah. I mean, it's unimaginable today, right? I mean, you'd yeah. be arrested for child endangerment here. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. you, know, you started your golf career at Kings Barnes, which is an amazing place. And for those who haven't been there, Kings Barn is an iconic brand now, just outside of St. Andrews. Um, it's been around for more than 20 years now. And uh, Kyle Phillips designed it. And you were there, I believe, from the start, 1998. Um, tell us what that experience was like. Yeah, well, actually, 97. Uh, and uh, that was uh, that, that was incredible. I uh, was, um, before that, I mean, I was with a contractor uh, building golf courses out in Germany. So I worked for a number of architects in Germany um, and uh, for about seven, eight years. And as the contracts manager, I was taken in for the uh, contract at Kings Barnes, and um, and actually my career started. Just so you're clear, Jeff, I I cut cut the greens on the old course for two years, and uh, and under the tutelage of Walter Woods, you know who the the late great Walter Woods, who was a, an enigma and a f- f- phenom really in, in 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 those times, and you know he helped me on my career. But um, it was great to go from the old course out to Germany, do construction, and then come back. Uh, eight years later uh, and you know re-engage with Walter because Walter was the agronomy uh, consultant there so it was fantastic to come back to St Andrews and uh, and and to do something you know which at the time I guess um, we, we were breaking ground not just in, in in building a golf course but actually it's it's probably triggered the the renaissance period of of modern exactly. length you know yeah. Um, I think we're we're all pretty agreed with that. Bandon on the other on on the other side of the the Atlantic was certainly you know making waves at that point as well. David Kidd was starting at Bandon Dunes, um, so that was the kind of starting uh, you know the kickstart if you like of the of the new modern links links courses yeah. and sandy sandy base courses. So we were it was funny because you know Kyle. I mean, Mark, who as you know, Mark Parson, the the, the visionary behind uh, that, he got the. Uh, Shown the land by, by Kyle, and uh, Kyle was working with Trent Jones at the time, and uh, as a lead lead architect. So, um, so he came on board. Uh, that was his first job uh, away from uh, Trent Jones, and um, so it was Mark and, and Kyle in the field, and I was you know blessed by being the contracts manager, but also the, the project manager, Bard Reynolds, who was an American, but absolutely he's still still playing his trade in the states these days, but. Wonderful man, and we just had the great team. We had a lot of challenges in front of us. We didn't really know about modern links and uh, and how that was going to go. But you know, we 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 tried to do the study tours, you know, Ireland and Scotland, and you know, we're just trying to you know glean information. And Mark was a was a was a detail oriented person, and Kyle was uh, such a great router of golf courses, a router of golf courses. Uh, and so the team, the team was assembled. You know, uh, Bard came from the Palmer Group um, before, so he'd done a lot of projects. I'd done a lot on the continent, and I'd also obviously, you know, grown up with Lynx Golf as well. So it was a wonderful team. I mean, really wonderful team, and yeah. it was just we all fed off each other in a, in a huge way. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, we produced what we produced, which uh, none of us are, uh, are are anything other than proud of. Well, I'll tell you, it. it um... It really has become iconic, and the majority of guests that we have that come over want to play Kings Block. And one of the dangers, I think, of sending people to places like Kings Barnes as an American is, or, or Castles, well, Kings Barnes, because it's a little bit older, but when they get there, um, they don't come to know the history. A lot of Americans arrive in a bus, they tumble out, 
they buy some stuff in the pro shop, they play around, they get a drink, they're out of there in five hours back on the bus. And um, I think when you come to understand the history in the brief period that it's been around, Kings Barnes has a, a great history over the last 25 years, but the history goes back much further, doesn't it? Because there was a course there that takes back quite a while and the yeah. uh, aqueduct that runs through it. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So the uh, so obviously uh, Kings Barnes uh, had its own nine hole course, uh, and we we went in when we got into the ground. Uh, effectively, if you know Kings Barnes, the the as you come back over the road from uh, from two, three, four, five, you come back into number six, which you, you go down onto the tees and onto that lovely sort of uh, releasing uh, into into the lower bowl we called it, and that whole lower bowl, which comprises six and seven, and then sixteen and seventeen, was the arena that had the nine hole course in it what we did was we went up on farmland you know uh, to to get at, you know to, to build the 18 holes uh, but the original nine was set in there and you could still see some odd bunkers the odd tea um it was hard to decipher where some of the greens might have been but you could certainly see some some features from the old course and of course we couldn't resurrect those it just it, it wouldn't play into the modern day but you know the history there there's medals the king's barnes golf society wow. and they still play now you know i mean and, and there's the, all these gold medals and there's minutes of, of 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 all the betting that used to go on you know even in those days in the yeah. in the late 1700s 1800s and uh, you know and it's the reverend this and the doctor this and they, they bet this and you know, it, it, fascinating history. Um, so yeah, so the so Kings Barnes was a golf course before, um, but as I say, we we took it to another level in terms of not just nine and, and nine small holes, but eighteen championship holes. Yeah. And um, and it's funny, isn't it? You know, a lot of people say it was just made for a golf course. Well, you know, if you know the history, the history was that there was people like um, I think it was Nick Faldo had gone in there in '95 and had a look at that land. And felt he couldn't do anything with it. Um, so you know, it wasn't obvious to a lot of people that that was a, a place that you could, you know, garner a, a championship golf course. And to be fair, you know, when I think when uh, when Sir Nick Faldo went there, I think they didn't have the wings like over the road two, three, four, five. We did a, a deal on the, on the, on that land, and then on 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 the south side, we had to get land off the neighbouring farmer um, to get the twelfth green and the thirteenth in. So it was more sort of the land that originally was heading back towards now the Kings Barnes distillery that you'll know. Yep. So it was that was where the clubhouse originally was th the, the early people were looking at, um, the early designers. So it wasn't that stretch of coastline holes, but it was Mark and his bravado and his you know vision that saw that if we could get eighteen holes with sea vistas, it's gonna it's gonna knock them out of the park. And I think the early St Andrew when we when we put our early stuff in. The St. Andrians uh, said to Mark, Mark, this will never fly. You need you need to turn around and go home. Uh, you know, building a golf course that's going to be A, public, B, more expensive than the old course, is just not going to work. You know, save your money, go home. So, you know, it wasn't obvious to a lot of people that that was, that that was a model and that was a piece of property that could do what it's done. Well, I, I played the course shortly after it opened. Um, and it felt, like I said, like it had been there 100 years. And the fact that you moved the clubhouse closer to the water, the, the fact that you went up on the elevation and created views literally from every hole, yep. it's, it's uh, stunning. And, you know, most of us Americans that come over, we don't want to play places like Lady Bank or Glen Eagles. We can play inland courses here. We can't play, with rare exceptions, places like Kings Barnes. The welcome there is outstanding, right? The clubhouse is wonderful. The food is good. The views from the clubhouse are good. Um, you know, and if you're playing a match, um, 17 and 18, well, 16, 17 and 18 are tough finishing holes, particularly for amateurs on 18, crossing the burn, Oh, you know, you know if you're and, and 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 so so the burn. You know, you were asking about the burn. So it's absolutely incredible that um, when we started the, the journey up on top there, you know, the the side cabins were in and around the first and tenth tees, uh, just set back near to the driving range, if you know the property. And um, so when we when we were building the tenth tees, we we came across this what with these slabs, you know, these big big bits of stone. 
uh, flat and uh, we uncovered quite a few and we thought, hang on a minute. So we we lifted one and, and below it was this stone walled on both sides and stone base for what's called a kundi. But it's a conduit. It's a, it's a it's a you know it's a Scottish a Scottish word for for a conduit taking water from yeah. the fields down to the shore. So we followed this down, and uh, and it was meandering. And so the, the the shape and form of what you see in from ten t and all the way down is as it was and as it was found. And uh, but the bizarre thing was that where eighteen green is sighted now, on plan view, it was exactly there uh, as a finishing hole. But we had a burn in front of the 18th green before we found the Kundi, but it was at grade, a bit like if you think um, think of Carnoustie and the Barry Burn. Yeah. If you think about that flat sort of 18th hole to finish and the burn sort of a feature in front of the green, but not necessarily right in front of it, but something you had to negotiate, that's what we were thinking. So 18 green was going to be level with nine green. Um, but of course, when we found this Kundi, and then we hit the wing wall of the bridge right where the 18th green was going to be. It was like, oh, my goodness me. It was like a eureka moment, you know. And so we we decided that we were going to resurrect this whole, you know, natural, well, not natural, but, you know, this man-made, yeah. but from a long, long time. I think it was French prisoner of war, um, you know, um, I think it was Napoleonic um, prisoner of wars from France, that I think, uh, were the were the labor behind the uh, behind this and uh, so we uncovered it and you know again so 18 green sits lower than it than it was originally planned and that's why on the 18th at the landing area you're up on top and you're playing down over to this green but it's a daunting daunting shot and if you get too far down that hill you're on a downhill lie trying to get the ball up and over you know uh, which is why we've got quite a strong backdrop um and, uh, and and a backboard if you like you know to to sort of help with that but uh, yeah you don't want to be short on 18 yeah, well, it it really is a joy to play, and and they've enjoyed having the Dunhill Links Championship there for many years, which which really for Americans um, just adds to its allure and its notoriety because they see people playing there. I remember a couple of years ago seeing Michael Phelps, the swimmer, sink like a. Did you see? I don't know if you saw that. He sunk a putt that must have been oh the sixth. Know, yeah, that's right. Oh, the gathering right down the back there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful pin down there. But it's funny because the Dunhill, when we first opened in 2009, no, sorry, it was 2000, uh, it was Johan Rupert from Dunhill that came up in, in the spring, in the autumn of 2000 and said, look, you know, we really need to, we've been trying to do this three, three uh, you know, world championship uh, courses for the uh, equivalent of the AT&T. So, you know, uh, he came up and he, and he said, look, you know, would you be interested with uh, Carnoustie and uh, and the old course? And we were like, mm, yeah. So uh, Mark uh, did the deal with, with him. And so what Mark did for me was in the spring of 2001, he sent me to the Masters to work on the Masters tournament to get some tournament experience. And so went over, met some wonderful people, uh, namely the late uh, Ian uh, McMillan uh, from the, the famous McMillan clan from Sunningdale. But he was at Queenwood, um, the course manager there. And so we met up and uh, we had a ball, uh, 10 days of just heaven out uh, watching Tiger winning in 2001. But we came back from that and, uh, you know, the, the experience was just enriched me and it, and it got me started on a journey of volunteers and tournaments and you know, funny story if, if we've got time, but uh, so we 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 have all these contingency plans at the at the Masters. So I, I was thinking, right, I need to get a lot of people uh, over, you know, because it's it's October, it's going to be a two, a two T start, first and tenth. So I need to man up, you know, to get you know to get people out there. So we started this big volunteer program uh, as course manager there, and uh, so we got the tents and the marquees and you know for all the the catering and everything. So we set a benchmark and set a a trend in hosting tournaments in the UK from that, you know, so Mark's vision was always, you know, go to the best, for, you know, learn from the best, you know, I mean, you know, and, and so I was, I was, I was so thankful for that experience, but on the morning, so we, we had all these guys lined up um, and we had all the, 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 the game plans ready. And uh, anyway, the, uh, the Thursday morning of the tournament, um, we're going down uh, and I'm, I'm driving down to the 15th green uh, and I'm passing one of the, the, the students that's in uh, Elmwood College 
And she's walking up from eight green and she goes, oh, Stuart, have you seen the 15th green? And I said, no. She goes, oh, it's black. And I was like, sorry? She goes, yeah, it's, it's, it's black, you know, and it was pitch dark, you know, and I, I didn't know what she, was, what she was on about. So I went down and sure enough, the green, the 15th green, the signature green, the par three over the rocks yeah. is black, right? That's quite, so it transpires that um, overnight there had been, it's never happened since, but it, it transpires that the tide had got up really high and had delivered seaweed onto the rocks, right? Very high up onto the green. And then as the tide had uh, receded, a, a southeasterly gale blew and blew all the little shrimps on the seaweed, off the seaweed, and onto the green. And it was a carpet of these little shrimps everywhere. So I'm on the blower, you know, this is our signature green, this is the one that's going to get filmed, it's our first Dunhill, you know. And it's like, you couldn't write the script. So um, anyway, we got it all cleared and, you know, we got the irrigation on and everything else, but uh, it was it was a really funny start to tournament golf for me, you know what I mean? And just but having the battle plan and having the uh, having had the experience of learning about, you know, volunteers and what they can do as an insurance, because... Had we not had those volunteers, there is, you know, we would have been really struggling to get all the greens cut and everything else cut and, you know, yeah. getting everything tournament tournament ready. But we had men and, and we had manpower with machines to go and do that job, you know, I mean, uh, and still keep the tournament on track. So it was it was a funny one. Well, I'll tell you what, I was uh, our first clients this year went over on Saturday. They're in um, St. Andrews for nine days. And on Monday, my phone blows up at, at 5 a.m. my time, 10 a.m. over there. And we've made a mistake. Okay. They're supposed to be at the castle course. I had them at Jubilee. Right. So they're panic stricken. Right. And I, and I, I kind of took, I think, the same thought process that you did. Okay. We're going to figure this out. We can, you know, this isn't. And after calming them down, it took us about 45 minutes, but everything worked out. At the end of the day, she called me and said, oh, today was perfect. No worries. You know, but that whole idea of uh, stay calm and carry on is kind of uh, the mode of the day. I, I have to tell you something, though, Stuart. It's a shame that when you came over, you couldn't have gone to a better golf course or a better tournament. I mean, couldn't they find a nicer course or a better run tournament. I mean, Augusta National. I know, I know. But, you know, they had it down to, to this fine art of, you know, if a storm comes in, then, you know, you've got your regular jobs in the morning, but if the storm comes in and uh, we've got battle plans and we need to, like, clear the bunkers, then you knew the, the number that was on the buggy that you had to take out. You knew your shovel and your rake and you knew your partner – and the, the two of you were expected on the buggy at the bunker on the eighth fairway. That's that was your station. When when it was battle stations, that's where you were going. So they had it down to this incredible fine art. And you know, I don't mind saying it coming from links and the traditions of the game and agronomy and you know, learning about fescues and brown grass and everything. You know, it, it was the most surreal experience going to Augusta because. It is the, the best manicure course anybody could ever wish to see. It is, um, it, it honestly, it's, it's a carpet of perfection. And, you know, and, and it both amazed me, but simultaneously repulsed me because you just knew what was going into that to achieve that, that perfection. Yeah. And for most, if not 99% of golf courses, and probably for the planet, it's unsustainable. Right. And so, you know, but but you cannot help but marvel at the sheer perfection on every level, not just the agronomy, but everywhere you look, it is meticulous. It is phenomenal. They are masters of their art. There is no question about it. Well, I think I think what's important for courses like yours at Cabot Highlands or 
any of the new ones that are charging more than the old course. So if I go to Dunbarney Links or Kings Barnes or Cabot Highlands or Trump, um, they better be in excellent condition. It can't be like you're playing your local Muni, right? And I don't think anyone's got the expectation of playing at uh, Augusta National when they're over there in terms of the conditioning, but um, they're not expecting to pay play a 40-pound Muni either, right? And uh, and you guys deliver. In, in all four of those courses I just mentioned, they're all meticulously ma maintained. The welcome is the best ever. Um, and I'll tell you a story at the end when we're off, off camera about um, another experience with a well-known golf course where um, you don't get as warm a welcome. But anyway, I want to move on. Um, so uh, you moved to Cabot Highlands, um, and it was Castle Stewart at the time. Um, Castle Stewart has become another iconic brand, right? They've held several Scottish Opens. I remember Phil Mickelson hitting a miraculous chip shot on 18 off of a hard pan line. He flopped the shot. Um, I played there a week to the day later and attempted the same shot. Um, and what had changed in that week, the grass had grown. <laughs> so it was an easier shot. And it was still yeah. impossible. You, you're like, how did he do that? Um, but our guests love the experience um, at Cabot Highlands. Um, but I'm assuming you left. Kings Barnes with Mark Parsonen uh, to start Castle Stewart. Is that correct? Did you go at the beginning? Yeah. Um, I, it's funny, isn't it? You know, I mean, it, funny how the journey is, but, um, you know, Mark being the professional and the perfectionist that, uh, that he was, um, I thought I had detail when I, when I went to Kings Barnes, I thought I was a detailed person and I, you know, demanded certain things. I, 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 I didn't even know. I mean, I, literally, when 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 Mark and I you know, crossed paths, the level of detail that that he was performing at was extraordinary. Yeah. Um, honestly, it, it just it would blow your mind just exactly some of the sums that he would do to work out sort of eye level and what you're going to see behind a green and things. I mean, he was, you know, it was trigonometry and you know cosine and tangent and uh, and sine. It, it was it was. Incredible, a, a real master at his art, uh, and he wasn't a golf course architect, you know. Yeah. I mean, and so, but he just had uh, so much business acumen from his time in um, in the Boston Consulting Group. I mean, he was groomed as being their CEO, but he he left as the leader of the San Francisco office and decided that he needed to get away from twenty four seven consultancy. Um, and golf was a better place, uh, you know, for him. And I think golf's in a better place as a result of him because I think he's. He's broken down a few barriers, both in service, as you say. I mean, Kings Barnes was very, not, you know, there was no white gloves and there was no rules as rules. It was much more of a, you know, just a, a very relaxed sort of place to be, you know. And I think a lot of people warm to that. You know, you can wear your hat in the clubhouse. You can have soft spikes on if you want to. You know, it, it wasn't that kind of rules as rules culture that right. that is so prevalent in so many courses. So he broke down a lot of barriers in that way. But also, I think on the golf design side, he wasn't afraid to, to make things wide and expansive and, and not have have golf courses be difficult for the sake of being difficult. You right. know, he wanted them to be enjoyable and fun and have the ability to recover. You know, recovery is a big part of the game. And if you read any of his stuff, that's that's exactly where he wanted to be. And so his mantra was always, how do we test the best, but be playable for the rest? How do we do that? That's the holy grail of golf course architecture. And in Kings Barnes, I think he felt we got very close but I think he felt he left a few things in the ground, um, both shaping-wise, maybe agronomically from my standpoint. Um, and uh, I think we we learned a bunch from yeah. there. And he just said to me, Stuart, I need you to come and do this. I need you to come and do Castle Stuart. Um, you know, I can't do it with anybody else. It's got to be you because we're the ones that have been through this and we know what we know. And hindsight's twenty twenty you know, would you come? And I was like, giving up a top 50 or top 100 in the world golf course was 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 a big one. I said, okay, I'll do it on the basis that um, I don't have the same job. I don't want to do the course management. Uh, I want to take a, a, a leap into general management. And if, if you allow me to do that, then I'll come and be your project manager and we'll go again. So no brainer, here we go. 
So, um, and I think from his perspective, he was also one that said, look, I really like a GM to be somebody that understands the turf and understands the product. Right. So it was a no-brainer for him, you know, in that sense. So, yeah, so that's where we went. He, he found the land, um, and it was a, by mistake. He was across at the at the Lonnie course, uh, which is where we're building now, the, the new Tom Doak course. That's where he first went, and it was when he looked across that he saw another piece of land, and he, was, he, was, he got intrigued by that as well. So uh, so the rest is history. We, uh, we, uh, we, we, we started the journey. He took me up. Uh, he said Inverness, and I said, well, I can't picture it. I've been there since I was 10 years old. Uh, and it's over the brow of the hill to, towards the airport, and you never see over. So even for first-time locals or people that know the area, coming into the clubhouse and that that welcome area and the bag drop, um, it's a it's a perspective of the inner Murray Firth that they don't know and have never seen before yeah. from that perspective, you know, and from that uh, from that angle. So it's it's a unique property, and and you know. People say, "Well, Kings Barnes and uh, and Castle Stewart, what's the difference?" You know, in your mind's eye. And I said, "Well, look, one one has drama, the crashing waves of of Kings Barnes and that cold northeasterly and and cold north sea coming in and crashing into the into the dunes and into the into the skellies, uh, whereas it's drama there, but Castle Stewart has panorama because it's got this 180 degree you know look onto that firth." You know, it, you get the evening sun as opposed to the greenkeepers get the east coast at St Andrews and yeah. uh, and, uh, and they get the sunrise. Uh, but the the golfer and the customer they get the, uh, the the sunset here. You know, so that's what I love about uh, about the the aspect that the Castle Stewart's on. It's if you're buying a house, you know, one of the things you look at is your aspect. Where's where's the sun going to be in of an right. evening? You know, for your barbecue or your your evening entertainment or whatever. And uh, and so you know that that is a you know when you're buying a house that's that's that is a big part. So when you're buying land, it's no different. And uh, and so this this was us looking at something that was in a completely different orientation uh, and uh, allowed this the evenings to be bathed in sunshine. You know when when it's uh, you know so th- th- there's there's similarities of course. Yeah. And we learned a bunch of Kings Barnes to go to Castle Stewart with, and we're ever thankful for that. And um, Castle Stewart is Kings Barnes with hindsight. Period. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I was curious about how you found the land and you mentioned that that uh, Mark stumbled upon it. Was it uh, um, and you mentioned at Kings Barn that Sir Nick, Nick Faldo said, hey, it's we can't cite something here. It was there wasn't an, an obvious it wasn't an obvious choice for a golf course. Was it the same with the property Inverness? It wasn't obvious to others or when you got there, was it? Well, this is a perfect piece of property. Well, when we got there, <laughs> I guess the perfect piece of property is something like Trump Aberdeen, you know, and Mark, you know, not famously, but Mark just, just made a comment about the Mini estate, just saying he couldn't do anything with the Mini estate and the dunes because for him in his art, they were too constraining. So when you go and take a blank canvas and farm fields, you can create something from scratch that you want to create. You can route the golf course the way you want to route it. You can build a mound where you want to build a mound. Right. And, and and there are two different ways of doing this. Take a yeah. beautiful piece of property and, and you know, um, you know Martin Hawtrey, I think it was, that did uh, the, the, the uh, Mini, did a fantastic job. You know, it's, a, it's an incredible site, incredible dunes. Mark didn't want 40-foot dunes, never wanted 40-foot dunes. He always wanted people to see the sea. He did a study before we did King's Barnes, and this is the, his meticulous um, methods of, of people coming off the 18th. And, and they tried to find out where their favorite courses were. You know, North Americans coming off the 18th of St. Andrews. What was your favorite courses on the trip? And invariably, it was between Dornach and Turnberry. And the two, you know, the common denominator there was the sea vistas. So for Mark, he knew that with King's Barnes, he had a lion by the tail, but nobody else could see it. But he knew that if we built something extraordinary on the shore with those sea vistas, then it was going to be encapsulating for our North American friends and for the rest of the golfing world. And and so he, he, his art is all about the sea views. It's not everybody's art, but that's, that's what makes art art. Right. You know, if you're all doing the same thing, then it's a boring place. Exactly. But that was his art, and, and and he's taught me 
you know, how to take something pretty nondescript into something pretty magical. But it's controlling the views, controlling the vistas, compression and release. Give somebody the view, take them away, release them back. If you give them the view all the time, they don't see it anymore. Yeah. And so there's a journey. So the, and that journey is, is, is one that you've got to keep reminding people where they are. So, you know, for Mark, it was just, it was a piece of heaven because for him, Castle Stewart had the natural gorse bank the, that was there forever and a day that would be akin to Dornach, you know, that wonderful yeah. mass of gorse that in this time of year, it is gorgeous. You know, it's, it's, it's majestic. So there were attributes there, the topography change, touching the water down below, high on the bluff, you know, the gorse bank in between. Uh, we, we wanted to do a landscape mosaic that was heather this time. Uh, we learned a bit at, at King's Barnes, but we learned more this time round, uh, how to do the heather transplant thing, bring that in the marin, you know, for, for the seagrasses and the dunes. And so, you know, akin to almost the county downs. I mean, we love county down in Port Rush as, as, two wonderful places, totally different in, in many ways, but the landscape mosaic at, uh, at, uh, um, at Royal County Down and the Greens complexes at uh, Port Rush are to us. If they were married together, it'd be the best golf course in the world. Yeah. You know, but that was our, that was our study tours. That's what we wanted to center in on. And we've taken elements from, from all those great places and the Mackenzie theory and angles matter, but you know, let's not worry about deep roughs and, you know, and, and loads of bunkers, you know, have it be a, a, a place of beauty and memory. And, you know, so, uh, you know, Mark, Mark was, was a genius in his, in his, in his, uh, in, 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 you know, in, in his creations, if you like. And uh, it was, it came from a, a substance of detail and, uh, and, and, and real desire to do the best he could do. And he hired Gil Hans, correct? To build that course. And what a wonderful man, Gil, uh, and Jim. Um, you know, and we were blessed with uh, with others on the team. You know, uh, Chris Haspel uh, came over from Denmark and was our fescue guru at the time. Um, you know, but Gil, Gil was, was wonderful. I mean, what a wonderful man, a wonderful way. And uh, he's so, he's, he's, he's just, he is just a gentleman. And, and, and you know, climbing on a bulldozer and going and, you know, going out there and, and, and building greens, you know, I mean, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a special talent. And uh, he had that in abundance. And, uh, and, you know, he was, he also marveled, you know, with Mark, but the two of them with Jim, you know, and Chris, and, and again, it was a different team, but it was, it was a great team for what we needed to achieve in, in Castle Stewart. And, you know, it, it, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful mix. And uh, there was always a lot of debate. And I'll tell you a funny story um, on the 11th hole, right behind you there, I uh, I said to Gil, I said, Gil, you know, our design mantra here for all the shaping was to be, you know, we wanted to give a, a bailout for our mid-handicap golfer. You know, we need to give them something to go at. And, uh, and so when we built the 11th, Gil had the bunker right in front of the green, and then he had a, another one hard on the right of the green. And so all that was left was the green, water left and you know the the, the back right which was uh, down onto 12 tees and I said Gil I said listen sorry but you know I'm not I'm having a struggle here because I don't know why we're surrounding this with bunkers and you know we're giving them no no bailout and he said well I think at one point in the round you've got to ask the golfer to make a shot and I said yeah I get that that's only 120 yards 130 yards off the front of the tee but you know listen What's the point in having a design mantra and brief if we're not going to follow it through? That's all I'm saying. So Mark, you know, was there and he was there uh, regular, as you know. And uh, so we got, got involved in the debate about all and um, we couldn't really fix on that. So we decided, right, let's go. And we'll go. We kept going 10 and 9 and we started on others. And then we came back to the 11. And, you know, Mark had, had sort of had a chance to sort of machinate it all through. And he said, you know what? He said, I think if we take that bunker that's hard on the right, but just push it back right, he said, trouble long and left is a good thing. I, I enjoy that because that's where the good players, you know, that's where they hit it and that's where they don't want trouble to be. Front and right is not where the, 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 the mid-handicapper wants his trouble to be. So pushing that back right means that you're pinching that back pin position for the good players and we still give a bailout, albeit with rumple, and it's really a difficult yeah. up and down. We give it so anyway. So we, we settled on that. We built the, the the golf hole, 
I played the golf uh, the golf hole with uh, some journalists uh, before in pre-opening, and I I got the first hole in one at Castle Street. So your first go round. Uh, you know, it was it was certainly it might have been first, might have been second. I can't remember, but it was certainly the first uh, hole in one uh, at Castle Stewart. Uh, but it was just serendipitous, and and it taught me that maybe maybe we got to the right answer. Do you know right. what I mean? But but it was it was about what we learned at Kings Barnes was sometimes we didn't question the shapers as much as we we might have wanted to, yeah. and that was one of the things that Mark really was was big on was. We need if if we're not quite sure, we should ask the question. And so, I was just asking the question, you yeah. Know, and you know, hopefully, we got to the right spot. Well, you clearly did. It's a it's a remarkable course, and I um, I want to compliment you guys because on eighteen, even though it's very different from the eighteenth at Kings Barnes, it's a very dramatic finishing hole, big on risk and reward. Right. If you dare to go right, stay right. You're cutting the angle down quite a bit. It's easier to reach from there. Um, if you're uh, if you're left, it's it's it can be a long way into the green. Uh, the green complex is difficult. If you're not on the green, you don't want to be short and right like Phil was, unless you're Phil. So uh, it's a, it's the entire day there is fun, right? I mean, it's a wonderful clubhouse, beautiful views. Um, great food, great pro shop, welcoming staff, um, very accomodating to us, easy to work with. Um, well, I just- think I think what I think what Mark set out though, I think what King Kings Barnes did, and, and what we've continued on, and others have, have followed suit. I think it was it was that service culture, you know. I mean, it was uh, it was about the caddies, and it was about the experience. It was about the the the, whole, the overall the overall thing but i think for for the operators as well you know it was giving them uh i mean it was almost a business class ticket if you like you know that, that you could swap seats you know i mean if you had a tea time at king's barnes and somebody got on the old course on the ballot you know if, if you had a tea time it wasn't like you lost that tea time we would always try and move you and move your client you know into another slot you know i mean so yeah. that was the hope and that's what made it so genius for st andrews was it that it was a flexible ticket that allowed the ballot process to go well, you know, and if you were successful, you know, you didn't have to, to lose out. And so, you know, for us, it was all about, you know, trying to look after, you know, the the the, the masses uh, and uh, and doing it in a different way. And and listen, it's been a it's been an adopted um, you know service culture for a lot of other golf courses have sat up and taken notes and said, yeah, we've got to be on that train. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's. You guys have done a marvelous job, and it's it's a pleasure to play. The guests love it. So, so how many rounds are you getting there now annually? Well, last year uh, we uh, we had a, a new record. We were just shy of twenty four thousand, uh, which for us with no members um, is uh, is a great you know, great testament to 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 the popularity, uh, not just of us but of the Highlands in general. Um, so you know, it's um, I, I think what what. I mean, if I can come into the uh, in, into the the, the the Cabot world now, I mean, what's what's so exciting is is that you know we've got Ben who Ben Cowan Dewar who has got this wonderful sort of um, uh, energy and 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 thirst and uh, and hunger for uh, for doing the right thing and, and you know and creating these wonderful memories in, in, in remarkable places in, in the world. And so, you know, to, to, to take now what we've got and, and, and the, the way that we're going to drive more rounds through the, the you know, through, um, through the gate is, is, is by getting more world-class golf, you know, that, that's the way he sees it, you know? And so, you know, there's a reason why it's his first hire uh, of Tom Doak and uh, Tom hasn't done any courses for, for the Cabot portfolio so far. And, uh, do you know, Tom's, uh, Tom's come in, embraced the, uh, the, 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 the challenges of the site of which there are a few but you know the raw beauty of it is also you know a, a, you know phenomenal for him so you know we've got a castle we've got burns you know we've got you know the 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 bay we've got you know water holes we've got elevation so you know the and you know unlike pretty much king's barns which is you know up and down the coastline and with us it's kind of up and down the coastline you're either kind of into the wind or, or downwind with us 
this is much more Muirfield-esque where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're playing round and, and different views. You're playing to the mountains, you're playing back into the, into the inland sort of moor uh, uh, holes and looking into the, the woodlands, uh, you know, as well. So, you know, the turning of direction, you know, you're, you're playing all four sort of, you know, compass directions, north, south, east and west. So the, the shot making in that is going to be far, far different, you know, than what we currently have uh, uh, on the current course. So, you know, it's it's going to be a fascinating, uh, you know, routing and a fascinating uh, journey, starting from the, the, the current uh, clubhouse and heading out uh, and then heading back to the current clubhouse. So, um, you know, hugely exciting times for us, you know, in terms of uh, building the resort, building the uh, the lodgings. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at hopefully uh, a, a phase one of, uh, of, you know, 50, 60, 70 bedrooms in the next couple of years to complement the 36 holes and, and make it a real proper resort and, and get somewhere started on the journey that Mark always had in his vision for uh, Castleshire, which was as Turnbury is for Ayrshire and Glen Eagles is for Perthshire, so Castle Stewart, Cabot Highlands, uh, is, will be for the Highlands. Yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, um, the, the lodging that you have on property is first rate. Um, the course is first rate. And I'll tell you, it was probably eight years ago or so when I first heard that a second course was going to be there and that you guys had engaged Arnold Palmer's team. And uh, I even saw photographs of Arnold on the property. And yep. I was so excited to have him build another course that was going to be links. Um, his first one was Tralee, which the back nine there is just, I mean, amazing. And um, I, I suppose his passing is what ended the opportunity for his design team. Uh, yeah, but- I think, uh, yeah, it was, it, listen, we had, we had, we had a wonderful uh, relationship with, uh, with Amy and Roy Saunders, um, you know, with Thad Layton and, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, and Brandon, um, you know, it, they were, they were great people, uh, are great people, but, uh, you know, they were so enthusiastic about what we could achieve there. And I think for them, it was a, a to work with somebody like Mark and uh, a design and build in the in the field, you know they were they were super excited about all of that, given the pedigree of of Kings Barnes and and Castle Stewart. So, yeah, the passing was uh, was 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 yeah, it was it was so sad, um, and um, and it did sort of put the uh, put the, uh, the 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 skids on, if you like, on the on 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 that particular train. And you know it was a shame because I think the the estate was obviously a complicated one, and you know. So, but we, we we tried we tried to resurrect and we tried we tried our, our level best. But listen, Ben came along. Uh, obviously, Mark's passing as well in 2019 was a yeah. huge thing for us all. Um, it was so sudden and so you know he just wow. Uh, it was uh, it was incredible and such a sad time for 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 everybody. So yeah, it was it was the, the two great legends, you know, Arnold and uh, and. Um, uh, and Mark, you know, sort of passing in relatively sort of quick succession was uh, had a profound effect on that. And, um, you know, when we set up and, and then we had COVID, you know, so we, yeah. we came out of COVID and all of a sudden, you know, Ben was uh, Ben came over and um, and decided that this was the this was the place that he wanted to uh, to have his portfolio uh, in 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 Scotland or, you know, the Scottish end of his portfolio. He felt was uh, was his heart was in the Highlands, and he felt this was the place to be. So, um, we're we're I know we're going to be ever thankful for that yeah. uh, for that transaction because I think he's he's brought in the right people to do the right job for you know for the resort that you know that is hopefully going to just further enhance the Highlands as a uh, if it isn't already as as a must play destination for for all serious golfers. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I know that when you were over in 2001 at the Masters, you saw Arnold Palmer. He was still playing, yeah. and the crowds had followed him. Right? I mean, they were as they were as big or bigger than Tigers. And yeah. his, his impact on the game of golf worldwide is uh, amazing. And what- oh, huge! I know it's uh, it's amazing. And you know, listen, Phil. I mean, you mentioned Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, another, another, another great, you know, and, uh, you know, we're not getting to live today, but, you know, at the same set time, um, you know, Phil, huge ambassador for us winning in the Scottish Open in 2013. You know, I think it was one of the quotes that I, I, I never heard a quote like it, you know, when he, when he, when he actually won in 13. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even when he won, I think it was in 12 when he came back for the second Scottish Open, but he fell in love with, with, with the course uh, at Castle Stewart because for him, I think his quote was, 
it, it should be a prerequisite that any budding young architect be made to play Castle Stewart before they're allowed to design golf courses. Now, for for a guy that's done a lot in the game and, and been around a lot of golf courses, you know, I I have never heard a quote like that from anybody. You yeah. know, in the game, you know, uh, in terms of enthusing about you know a new build or yeah. or, or a course in general. Um, so to us, you know, you know, Phil's a you know he's been a strong ambassador for us, you know, in many many ways, and you know, it's it's it's, it's unfortunate the way that the game is. Has, has taken, uh, but listen, um, we are where we are. We're living interesting times, um, but um, we're certainly not going to forget, you know, history uh, because it's it's there. You know, you can't take that away, and why should we? Well, and he went on. Uh, it must have put him in good stead because the following week, um, 2013, he won the Open at Muirfield, which um, and my my best buddy Stuart McEwen, uh, we were be- best men at both uh, both each other's weddings. He just started in 2013 at Muirfield as secretary. So <laughs> although he wasn't on the 18th green because it was the outgoing secretary at the time, uh, he was certainly there in attendance. And it was kind of, it was neat that Phil won it, you know, at uh, the place I was working at. And then where Stuart was just about to start, you know, uh, Phil won again. So kind of neat, uh, neat double. So did you, uh, if they broke ground, if you guys broke ground already on the new course? Uh, uh, to the to the extent that we have a, a pre-start condition, which which means that we have to build a, a kind of dune ridge, if you will, um, f- um, uh, to to screen the inner bay and the the birds, the the roosting birds that come in for the winter. Uh, we do have uh, we've started soft work on the dunes, just making them, um, you know, screening, if you like, uh, for the golfer. So uh, we have started there. We are expecting any day now. We've submitted all of our uh, pre-start conditions that we had, we've submitted them to the local planners. I mean, literally any hour, any day, any day we will we will have our, uh, hopefully our permission to, to get started. And we are we are battle armed and ready uh, with, uh, with our plans and with our team and with our machines to, to get in and go again and, and have another right good go at, uh, at hopefully another top 100 because, uh, yeah, it's it's been a neat thing doing Kings Barnes and Castle Stewart, and uh, with Tom, uh, I mean, there's there's nobody that's got more top hundreds from from scratch uh, in in the top hundred than uh, than Tom Doak. So uh, we're super excited about uh, about the, the the journey ahead. When can we sure. start booking tea times? Let's get this thing going. I know. Well, we're uh, we're, we're definitely looking at. Uh, I mean, Ben would like to get some soft uh, soft opening in uh, in the fall of next year, even if it's just a few holes. Uh, so we're working hard on that, uh, but I think realistically it's going to be that kind of May, May 2025, uh, I, I would hope. we. I mean, if Dunbarney um, showed the golf world uh, uh, one thing, uh, and, and it's done many things, but, you know, it, it certainly taught us as, as links, you know, con- contractors, constructors, designers, you know, growing specialists, superintendents and, and operators you know the, the the two years is a time frame that that will allow you to get a course from scratch into great shape. Yeah. You know, so you know, you know, literally, hats off to to Dunbarney for for their efforts because they've shown us a way uh, that we that, that we can do this and we and we and we should be fighting for that. The one thing I will say about our our, our two courses, we started midsummer, both of those. Yeah. And uh, that was always going to be a challenge uh, to get it done in the two years. We needed that that extra. Um, so starting now, we've got this season, we've got next season, and if we complete the seeding by next season, we're going to be we're going to be very close in, in May twenty five to being yeah. you know really really in a great 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 spot. Yeah, we've had Clive Clark on twice on the podcast, and we're having him again. Um, the week before the Open, it'll be the 50th anniversary of his playing the final round in the final grouping with Jack Nicholas. So to hear exactly. him at Play Lake, right? So it's really wonderful to have him back. But um, you've really been fortunate when you think about it. Kyle Phillips, you've worked with Gil Hans, now Tom Doe. I mean, that's literally uh, golf architecture royalty. What that? What's that been like? Um. You know, it was it was very daunting uh, to start with. Um, 
But I think uh, I think one of the things Mark Mark was a daunting character, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. He was approachable, but he was so well read, and he was so incredible in his in his in his thought processes that you know you really had to come to the table with something meaningful. If you know, otherwise you, you felt you might be you know uh, saying uh, saying something kind of stupid and you know, dumbass questions. But uh, if he taught me anything, it was like, you know, you've, you've got to be yourself and you've got to be able to just, you know, the contributions to the team are are, are, are important and you've got much experience and, and what have you. So to be able to sort of liaise and and, and be in teams, you know, um, with those that with that royalty, as you as you refer to, um, was made a lot easier by the fact that Mark was uh, was was, you know, w- backed you, you know, you know, your stuff, you know. You, you you know we need your input yeah. you know because the best doesn't always come from one person you know yeah. but that's what we know and so it's great when you get on those teams you know when you've got the relevant experience and you know I'm not a designer I'm not a uh, an artist but I know how to construct and I know the frailties and the challenges and so when I say something it's it's usually from a technical side and it's a challenging side and then the architect has to come back and say right okay well look we got to do something different here, so that's fine. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's see if we can do this because that's going to help us here. And invariably, those elements that you put in, you know, if you do challenge, invariably you get a better result. Okay. In the golf hole, it's kind of bizarre. So, so I relish, you know, the input and I relish the dialogue because I know that we get to the best the best spot possible with the team if. If you're able to engage, and I have no problem engaging with those guys because it's it's a joy to work with them. It, we do something we absolutely love. We're creating something that's going to hopefully stand the test of time. And um, you know, it, it's it's to me, I set out on my journey not to make money. It was the last thing on my mind. I thought if I want to get up in the morning and work for a living, I better do something I enjoy. And so I'm doing something I enjoy. I get out of bed. This is 40 years now. You know, we've. Uh, We've been uh, in in either greenkeeping or uh, or construction or general management, and you know it's it's a joy to be out there. It's a joy to be doing what we do, creating and uh, and creating memories for people. You know, it's 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 a wonderful thing. I'm really blessed. Well, I'll tell you, there. Um, I want to give you uh, some credit there for the site that you have. Tom Doak um, compared the the site that you have for the new course. Um, to doorknock, he said between the views and the elevation changes. So that's very high praise. Now I've got a couple of questions left. These are going to go much quicker because we're turning back to you now and, and away from uh, Cabot Highlands. So now you've been able to play a lot of places, I'm sure, around the world. Uh, what course would you most like to play in the world that you haven't played? Uh, as you might imagine, there's a few there, um, and um, but. Uh, if I if I narrowed it down to two, because um, I think it is two, is Cypress Point and uh, Royal Melbourne. Excellent. Uh, have you played in the states, by the way? Yes. Other than Augusta, I know you played. Augusta. I haven't played Augusta. Worked at Augusta. the The Volunteers' Day was the following May, or or the, the you know the following oh, yeah. month, you know, so. Had to fly back to to, to Kings Barnes, so and then when the when it came around, it was uh, it was going to cost so much money for me with a young family. I had to go out there, you know, yeah. take a week off work, you know, and it, it was it was un, untenable for me at the time. And you know, I said at the time, I hope I don't live to regret that. You know, I'm uh, I'm 59 this year, and uh, I haven't played Augusta yet. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, you know I'm. I know that you know the clock's ticking a little bit, but uh, we're we're making some plans in that in that direction. But uh, no, I haven't played Augusta, but played a lot of wonderful uh, courses um, uh, over there. You know, we did a great study tour of you know Marion and uh, and Shinnecock and National and um, you know um, uh, where are we? We were at Baltusrol. Um, so you know, lots of lots of great uh, memories from 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 up that uh, neck of the woods. I got to walk um, over in Michigan. Um, we uh, we were over there. Uh, got to walk a few uh, wonderful courses over there, just because it was it was winter time. Uh, in uh, in you know we were over for New Year, 
But um, obviously, you know, been 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 around a little bit. Um, uh, Florida, I've played a lot uh, down down that neck of the woods. Um, so yeah, no, we, we've been blessed with with, with a lot. Played sawgrass and uh, a few others uh, along the way. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, I've, I've definitely got a couple on my list that I need to take off. I'm sorry you've had such a difficult life. You've really I know I know. Listen, I've I've said it. I'm blessed. Yeah. So if uh, if you had to pick a dream four four ball. Living or dead, what three players would you want to join you for your uh, round of golf, and where would you play? Um, well, yeah, and, and thanks for asking. Um, you know, obviously, my father passed away a long time ago, and um, you know, he's he's a big uh, a big big part of of, of that four ball, I think, and his his hero um, was Ben Hogan. Um, so I think for me. I definitely want my father and 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 Ben Hogan because I know he he loved him, um, and my son who's on his journey. He's grown up um, obviously at Kings Barnes for, for a few years, but he was born ninety nine, so uh, we left Kings Barnes in two thousand and five. So um, he was six at the time. So he's come up here and he's been a member, a junior member at Nairn, where I've been a member for for you know since I was sort of ten uh, as a junior as well. So he's sort of you know going that way and, and he started uh, on on a, a young uh, professional's uh, journey uh, on the feeder tours last year for his first uh, first season um and goes again next week uh, on the tartan pro tour uh, which paul Laurie and uh, and the team do a, a wonderful job of getting that young talent through the, the system so um yeah my son never never saw my father um so that would be the that would be the four so would you play a Karnuski because of the connection with hogan or would you rather play Kings Farms or or Cabot Highlands to say, Dad, look what we created? Great question. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to do all of those, um, but but I think that the one that probably um, that I'd have to pick, and and there's a reason behind that. My father was runner up uh, to George Will in the Scottish Boys at St Andrews at the old course. He was also a club maker at Ochterlonies uh, when he was in that uh, that uh, golf realm uh, out of Cooper. And so, you know, the fact I've worked there, I've, I've, you know, I've been on the greens there, I've cut the biggest greens in the world uh, for championships for the Dunhill and stuff. And uh, they're, yeah, they are a challenge and it, it would have to be the old course for all those, for all those reasons. You know, it, it just, there is no, nowhere else. I want, you know, I took my father to see Kings Barnes uh, in his last, his last throws of life, and um, you know that was that was a wonderful a wonderful thing to be able to do. Um, and uh, but he died young, you know, he was sixty seven, uh, had a heart attack, and uh, that was him. So you know, it was um, we didn't really get to fulfill a lot of this, you know, and and, and certainly you know with my my son, he's, he hasn't got to see the prowess that he's because obviously you know the golf, you know, professionalism. Um, you know, skipped a generation. You know, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> father, father was one, son is one. You know, but uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just the greenkeeper in the middle. You know, but, You're uh, a green but I'm very happy with the first hole. I'm, I'm very happy. Exactly, but I'm very happy with my with my lot. Don't misunderstand. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the place I want to be. Excellent. Uh, my last question. So we've got uh, most of the people that we bring over are coming for the first time. And one thing I didn't mention at the outset when I was telling you about our business was the big thing that we try to do, Stuart, is to, to have people not just play golf, but experience Scotland, the culture. So we do just we set up unique tours, distillery tours. Um, Gordon Moyer. You know, Gordon. Moyer. I know Gordon. Yeah. We've got him uh, doing some hosting of groups. Um, you know, at the Rusacks where they can ask questions about the old course or all the courses there. Um, but we try to do unique things that set us apart and, and give our clients a, a completely unique experience. But aside from that, for those people coming to Scotland for the first time, um, what advice would you give them about playing Lynx golf other than come to Cabot Highlands? Well, I, th I think you know, be prepared for all weathers. I think that's the that's the first thing. You know, I mean, because you know, it 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 could it could be the sun split in the skies. You might get a you might get a hail shower, you know, or snow uh, even in in the season. 
Um, so be prepared for all of that. Um, but I think also bring as many shots in your repertoire that you've got. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you need to have the ability to keep the ball on the ground, putt from, from places you've never putted from before, have an open mind, but come with a little bit of creativity and imagination because it isn't just straightforward A to B. You know, you've got to think outside the box uh, and, and try to imagine different shots than you're, you're used to anywhere else in the world. And that is a, it's hard to do. It's hard to get yourself out of your normal thing. But if you can, it will be a rewarding situation for you because you're, you're going to be playing shots you've never played before and maybe never will again. Right. Right. That's fantastic advice. And, and uh, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of winced when you said it could even snow during the season. I'm like, please don't tell people to snow on their golf but, but it's part of, it's part of the experience. And, and, and almost you feel, I've, I've spoken to so many people that they get disappointed when it isn't raining. Yeah. They want to come for the rain. They've bought this rain gear. They're, they're ready for this terrible weather. And all of a sudden they've got the sun cream on. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, so you know it, it's 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 horses for courses, but you know you come to Scotland and don't be surprised by anything. Is all I'm saying. Well, you know it's interesting, Stuart. During this during this talk, there have been at least three occasions where your room went dark. I could barely see your face, and I'm like, the first time it happened, I'm thinking, is does he have a problem with the lighting? And then I'm thinking there must be massive clouds going by that block the sun temporarily because you're. <laughs> You went, it went, it literally went very, it faded, but. Anyway. Oh, really? Well, hopefully you can see, this is, uh, this is Cabot Highlands, uh, this one. This is King's Barns in the early days. And that's, uh, this one here is a certificate that my father got for a hole-in-one at Nairn. So, you know, I'm in my, you know, office at home, if you like, if you will. I came away from the office today uh, to, to, to do the podcast with you. And um, yeah, been a lot of fun uh, with you, Jeff, today. Hey. It was a wonderful pleasure. The stories you have are amazing, Stuart. And uh, I and we haven't even talked about Scottish Open uh, 2011, you know, I mean, uh, with all the floods, but we'll save that for another one. There you go. It's been a great pleasure. Your stories are amazing. And the experiences that you've had in life and in golf are amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. Hey, listen, you're very welcome. And uh, yeah, have a great season. And uh, Hopefully you've got a lot of happy golfers and come and see us. We will, I promise. See you.